You're listening to Behind the Clipboard. Event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the insider toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ooh. <laughs> no. No. How are we supposed to respond to that? I don't know. I just want to see what you did. Um, <laughs> so off air, we discussed introducing today's episode with a bit of a wrap. Uh, didn't go so well, but... I mean, you know, record, <laughs> thanks. record producers, if you're out there, call me. Um, today's episode, we're going to delve into the C word, mm-hmm. mm, aka collaboration. Oh, phew. Wasn't sure where that was going. And sponsorship. We're going to cover what we mean by those words, how to manage those relationships, and what it could translate to for your event or business. Hence the vanilla ice shout out at the start. Mm. You're welcome, world. <laughs> so, Tam, what's the difference between collaboration and sponsorship? People think collaboration means that you're just going to get a whole lot of free stuff, which is a mistake. Really, collaboration is working together in partnership with someone um, where you've both got shared goals. So, you're going to end up with some benefits and some responsibilities towards the event. Sponsorship can be that, but it can also be a cash contribution. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Cool. I think. <laughs> Do you want to embellish? <laughs> no, I think you summed it up. Yeah, perfectly. you did sum it up. And yeah, I, I think, think sponsorship can be cash or in kind, but collaboration is definitely working together mostly in kind. It's not usually cash. Yeah, it's like products and services. Mm-hmm. What are the different types, Mel, of things that can be traded in a collaboration or sponsorship agreement? Mm, well, definitely money. Yeah, money. <laughs> I mean, we like all kinds of collaboration. And then Contra, they're probably the, the two most traded commodities in a partnership. So Contra can be the donation of a product or service instead of a cash component. Usually the Contra will go towards saving you some money with event costs. That's a really good one, actually, because the event um, I work on Obviously, we're super lucky to have a lot of um, very generous cash contributions, but things that are really valuable to us in contra are like probably worth more than if they just gave us cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it usually works better for both parties. So you can have um, contra could be supplying the wine or supplying the beer. Um, obviously, the supplier of that product is going to give it to them at a reduced cost um, or a low cost for the supplier and the benefit is that the recipient is going to have premium product without the premium price. Mm. And it's probably, I think, sponsors generally get more because you are showcasing your product. You're putting it in front of 100, 200, 500 people, whatever the event is for, and they're getting to sample your product, especially if it's a new product coming into the market. It's a great way to get it out there. Yeah. And you get the benefit of not only being served whatever it is, it's also going to be highlighted in multiple places around and throughout the event. The other thing um, that can be part of a collaboration or sponsorship agreement is high profile ambassadors. So particularly here in WA, a lot of companies work alongside the Wildcats or the AFL teams. And then promotion, you know, using someone else's networks to get your market out, your brand to another market. Um, Gift bags. We spoke about that in our sustainability episode, actually. Yes. About, you know, gift bags can be great, but they're a perfect opportunity for collaboration because it's not just bits of paper in a bag. It's 
give us a sample of your product. We'll put it in front of X amount of people and that's exactly the people you want to buy your product in the future. Yeah. So it's definitely identifying your target market and finding those people you're going to collaborate with that are going to be spot on, getting the product straight to that market. As long as it has product in it. Don't fill it with paper, people. Nobody wants to take it home and they just throw it out anyway. That's 300% what I do in the recycle bin. I know. <laughs> I see if there's it's any good, frustrating. I see if there's any good bargains on the discount vouchers. <laughs> the oh, me too. Like, can we just talk about the best gift bag ever? Yes. Like, Mel is dying <laughs> to talk about this. Yes. Uh, the Boobalicious Ball. Can we talk about what is in them? I think so. Let's ask the boss, can we? I 100% <laughs> agree. My favourite, favourite gift bags come from Boobalicious. And if anyone doesn't know, Boobalicious is for Breast Cancer Care WA, but it is sponsored by adultshop.com. So you can probably <laughs> have a few guesses at what's in there, but do you want to unpack it, Mel? <laughs> do you literally <laughs> want to unpack it, Mel? Well, there's lots of adult shop goodies in there, shall we say? Vibrating eggs. <laughs> lots of lube. <gasps> <The> best <laughs> lube, honestly. Pomegranate. <laughs> oh, my God. There was this pomegranate one year. I was wondering one we year. saying pomegranate before. I was like, <gasps> did they put a fruit in the bag? Oh, it smelled so good. Like, just smell or taste? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I can't believe you went there. I can't believe you went there. We went on lube. Really? Is there any further? Oh, yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> the last thing that can be traded and is quite common when you're sponsoring a charity is PR or goodwill. So corporates obviously wanting to get corporate social responsibility, get recognised for supporting community causes. Usually they support in the communities that they're operating. So, you know, mining will obviously try and support the areas that their business, day-to-day business is affecting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and PR can be such an important aspect there because you, you can get their brand into the paper, which if you're doing paid advertising might be, maybe even if it's the social pages and it's a half page or quarter page in the social pages of the newspaper, that's worth about five grand if you're paying for that in advertising. So you can't underestimate the reach and value of PR. I was actually going to say, I don't think a lot of people realise and they kind of write it off as like being in social pages. Oh, you're in the social pages. But that is a very visible... It's tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a thing people turn to and actually read. These days, if I see a paper at the coffee shop, I turn to the social pages. I normally just like to see if I'm in it, which I'm not normally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's worth more than advertising. I actually think having a half-page paid ad or having a half-page PR editorial story, it's worth twice as much if it's PR. Well, the official rate is five times. There you go. So five times the value of what it would cost to take out an ad. There you go. Because it's more like a friend telling you. And it's got a bit more authenticity to it rather than being a straight ad. It sounds a bit like, oh, me referring you, like, oh, did you hear about this thing? Yeah. For sure. For sure. And people are pretty savvy these days. They will... I don't know about you, but I almost blank out things that are clearly ads. Yes, oh, yeah. You know, you don't even read them. You kind of skip to the articles. And even on social media, you kind of know what's – you can tell what is sponsored so you don't – you scroll straight past it. I've yeah. actually seen some very bad um, sponsored, like, advertorials. I'm just like, why did you even bother with this? Mm. There yeah. are good ones as well. There, yeah, definitely. But there's some terrible ones. Mm. That is a whole other podcast. That definitely is. It's like, yeah, yeah that's advertising. Mm-hmm. Storytelling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big thing. Branded entertainment is a huge next thing in terms of advertising. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about recruiting sponsors for an event, Mel, what would be the first port of call, do you think? Well, I like to liken it to the dating process, actually. So you start off with flirting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's helpful to always be on the lookout for new partnership opportunities. So whether that's reading business news, going to events, joining networking groups, you know, meeting at breakfasts, that sort of thing. 
But eventually you'll meet someone that you sense some synergies with. Maybe you think your brands can work well together. Maybe you click, you know. There's a spark. Yeah, there's a spark. You're like, <laughs> I might want to see this person again. You swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> you do the eyes. You do the long stares. Oh, the lingering stare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, once you get a spark, then you can move on to the dating stage. Well, in the dating stage, you know, you meet them for coffee or lunch. During this time, you start to sort of pick their brain. Like a lot of times um, partnership or sponsorship relationships do start quite casually. Mm-hmm. It's never straight out business, business, business. It's, you know, let's catch up. Let's talk about what we can do for each other. True. Um, and you getting an understanding about what their business is really after, what insights. What um, they're looking to gain. Yeah, because you want to make it a win-win partnership. Nobody ever wants to feel like they're losing out. You don't want a one-sided relationship, guys. No. Mm. And you definitely, when even in, when you're in the flirting stage, you <laughs> need to um, be clear on what you can offer them. So don't go flirting with someone unless you have that clear in your mind. You don't want to be a tease. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You don't want to be offering the wrong thing. You don't want to be selling to everyone. <laughs> and <laughs> that's true. another that's good point. That's how you get a reputation, actually. You want to make sure that the person you're flirting with <laughs> thinks that you're only flirting with them, even if you are <laughs> scoping far and wide for sponsors. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's an art. It really is. And that's why, uh, you know, some companies and firms are lucky enough to have a person dedicated to that role but mm. often in not-for-profits and small businesses that's you yeah <laughs> pretty yeah. much doing all the flirting definitely and that's why um just good communication and really good customer service and just being a good decent person is so important because the more contacts that you have the more um objectives you can achieve when it comes down to commercial relationships absolutely and even keep in mind even when you're flirting in the flirting stage we keep joking about it but don't be discouraged by the fact that they might not want to support you right now, but later down the line, they might, might be, be the one for them. Exactly. It's all about timing with relationships. True. Right place, right time. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know why I'm giving out dating advice. <laughs> um, I love this analogy. It's fun. <laughs> we thought it was so funny when we came up with it. <laughs> so when you're in the dating stage, you might be ready to take it to the next level, maybe put something down in writing, but there are a few things to consider first. Firstly, don't sell yourself short. I think... Charities in particular tend to do this. They will take whatever they can get. But really, if you're a well-established charity, you don't underestimate the goodwill that you're offering, that the businesses get from using your logo, using your name to support. Mm, I have a story on this. Shall I tell it now? Go for it. So we worked with a big organisation. Actually, it was a small organisation, but they were doing a big event. They had thousands of people attending and they wanted to align with a charity, I think for their corporate social responsibility. It was ticking a box for them, which is why I won't mention who they were. And when it came down to it, they seemed to be doing the right thing. Even as the event employed event manager, I felt like they were trying to do the right thing. But their event didn't make money. They they cut a lot of corners and tried to make it profitable but it just at the end of the day they just didn't run it the way it should have been run and they aligned with a very very well-known national charity which I had introduced them to and they had promised I think it was 10% of ticket sales would go to that charity at the end of the event and so the charity therefore gave them their logo just like you were saying Mel how important that brand is gave them their logo to use it was on all the promotional material at the end of the day they said oh sorry we can't give you 10 percent of the profits we don't have it which not i cool. believe is illegal yeah yeah because if you're saying you're fundraising on behalf of the charity correct because those those companies often say you know what have you lost you, it hasn't cost you any money but it has because by using the charity's logo people do not understand the average punter doesn't know the difference between 
a third party event like that was that is using that charity's logo or an internally run event. So the internally run events are usually run much more efficiently, will make money, but they won't attend those events because they think they've already given to that charity by going to that event that the charity got nothing from. Exactly. Or had nothing to do with. It's one of my biggest gripes. And it really bolsters the corporate brand's credibility. Mm -hmm. Because they're aligned with that charity. So people actually think, okay, they're doing something really good. And, you know, 10% of the money I'm spending on this event might be 10% more than I want to spend Mm -hmm. to attend it. But I'm going to do it because that's going to go to a charity that I really believe in. And then behind the scenes, it's just so disappointing. Yeah. I think another important thing in the dating stage is to make sure your values and mission align with the person you're flirting with. (laughs) And this can be seen a lot um, lately particularly in charity, again, health organisations have started rejecting alcohol and junk food sponsors or, you know, mental health organisations sometimes don't align with, you know, gambling or anything that may affect mental health. Can you think of any other examples? Some bad ones like AFL where they, (laughs) (laughs) like the AFL is sponsored by McDonald's. I do not get that, don't get it. And always the Eagles have been sponsored by Hungry Jacks. And you just think that's not a great alignment. I just thought... Of, actually, this isn't really values and mission, but even alignment. I just thought of a great example. How about the Telstra Fashion Festival that was at Optus oh, Stadium yeah. last year? <laughs> yeah, bit of a whoopsie. Yes. But it's like quite a big whoopsie as well because did no one at any point think, is that going to be confusing? That that was confusing, definitely, for the average punter. So yes. Actually, so it relates. Think through. Yeah. That actually relates to my next point is don't recruit multiple sponsors from the same industry. So, you know, Telstra does not want to be aligned with the same event that has the word Optus on it. It's just completely and they're counterproductive probably, to their, their marketing budget. And they're probably the two biggest competitors in that space anyway. Yeah, so I would say so. So, you know, no business wants to spend money and then find that their direct competitor is also leveraging that opportunity. Uh, yeah. Just good business sense. Don't approach people's competitors. Yeah. And don't feel, especially like we spoke about it earlier, is like charities feel like they're happy that you're happy to take whatever because it is a hard market, especially in Perth, to get sponsorship and contra and everything. But, you know, be business smart as a charity or a small business. Don't think you just take anything that's handed to you. Yeah. You can always ask for more or something different if that's not what they're offering. Yeah. And working through, I mean, once you've got that um, line of conversation opened up, like you said, it can be quite casual in the beginning, then we're really working it through with them to make sure it's mutually beneficial. So ask them lots of questions along the way and ask them their purpose. Like, why do you want to be involved with this event? Yeah, a really good question to start with. Find out what that answer is. And then as you go along with the sponsorship agreement or collaboration, um, keep checking in and making sure that everything you're doing along the way is going to be mutually beneficial. And mm. a few experiences I've had is with potential sponsors when I've said, you know, what do you hope to get out of this? They've actually been like, no one's ever asked me that before. Mm. Crazy. I was just going to say, don't assume that you know what they want. You think it might be obvious that they're after exposure, but we've actually had quite a few companies um, give a significant amount of money and not want recognition. They would rather it goes promote it internally. That their motivation was to motivate staff, to let their staff know they were supporting the community, but they didn't want their shareholders. Sometimes it's actually detrimental for their shareholders to know that they're giving money. I mean, to a charity, you wouldn't think, but even sponsoring conferences, businesses, it's... Yeah, that's a really good point. So don't assume anything. Don't what's assume. That, what's that thing you always Assuming say? Assuming makes an ass out of me and you. You and <laughs> me. You've got to say it in the order that it appears. Melissa. Colour outside the lines. (laughs) 
So moving on from that and again linked, make sure the benefits offered are commensurate with the level of support that they're providing. So it's helpful to map this out before you really look for any sponsors and have a matrix in place with different tiers of partnership. So you don't want to be over offering. Don't give everything you can to the first sponsor if you think that you can sell naming rights you've got nothing left to give. You need to make sure that you even evenly distribute all the benefits that the event or project can offer. Because you don't want to be in a position where, you know, you get heaps of people wanting to sponsor, which is amazing, but then you've offered someone $12,000 and they get X, Y, Z. And then because you put all your eggs in that basket, you, the next person that comes in that wants to give you like $50,000, you can't actually offer them anything more than what someone that's paying $12,000 is getting. Yeah, you've reached your limit. You're yeah. out. What do you girls think about the value of social media exposure? Depends on the sponsor. Like I think some sponsors value it more than others. Mm. Depends on the brand. It depends on the brand and the product, I think. Yeah. That you're working with yes. or the organiser, the, the event organiser. Both. And their reach. I think definitely it depends on the reach if, if you've got enough to make it worth their while. But depending what the product is and whether it aligns with. Yeah, that's what I think it comes down to is if your audience is their audience or yeah. their potential audience, who yeah. they want to be with, who they want to be seen in front of. Because again, I've been in sponsor conversations where, you know, I've tried to really push the social media as like a really good way to extend their reach and they just, for whatever reason, don't really get it. Yeah. But social media marketing is the way that the world's going. Exactly. So it's definitely got a value on it for sure. But it's kind of hard. I still think it's hard to measure. Exactly. It and is. it's hard to explain if you're not Especially since the likes aren't there anymore. Yes. So, like, that's, that's, a, just that's a big part that. of it. Yeah. So, it's definitely going to come down to engagement. Yeah. It's a tricky one now because the amount of followers someone has, you used to be able to say, okay, Their they've engagement. got 200,000 followers, but they've only got 18 likes per post. So, yeah. they probably bought them. Yeah. So, now the likes aren't there. Mm. That's going to uh, pose a little bit of a commercial conundrum when it comes to something like a collaboration or a sponsorship agreement. Yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, it depends what the brand or service that is sponsoring is like. So for example, a mining company probably isn't going to care about social media reach Mm. unless it's about the good work they're doing in the Kimberley. But if it's a product that really depends on being cool, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say that like a (laughs) 60-year-old. It's all about being cool, guys. Kids these days. Yeah, well, it could be a product that um, generally doesn't associate with social media and the people that are on, or younger target markets, the people that are on social media. So yeah. they want to tap into that. Yeah. And you don't want to be like broad stereotyping, but generally social media users are younger. So, mm. and the ones that sort of know it's, for example, my mum's very suspicious. If she asked me <laughs> where I got something from, I'm like, I saw an ad on Instagram. She's like, what's that? <laughs> That's where I do all my shopping on exactly. Instagram. Exactly, same. So I've do I. got the high smile teeth whitening kit. I've got the Frank body hair scrub. Oh. Oh, God. You the iconic dropping. is stalking me, having really good sales at the moment. Well, <laughs> so the other use of a matrix is to map out the benefits they're going to get before so that you can make sure that everybody's getting, you know, the right level of benefits for their support. But Also going forwards, once you've locked them in, the benefit of a matrix is being able to track whether you have actually delivered on those promised benefits. So I've personally had this experience where, you know, in the craziness of the lead up to the event, I forgot to put this major telco's name in one of our EDMs. And that obviously they've just signed a naming rights sponsor contract. They were quite upset. So having some sort of paperwork to track it is really helpful and definitely necessary, particularly when we're talking about events, because there's so much else going on. 
checklist galore. I was just going to say that. Sometimes sponsorship and marketing things are done by the same person and, and can get lost. Yeah, because often small business, um, small operating team for events, you know, you're all thinking about event logistics, what's happening in the lead up to on the day. Often sponsorship benefit mm. delivery is something that kind of gets a bit forgotten or just yeah. put to the bottom of the list. And it's a real shame. When it should be at the top. Super disappointing. Mm-hmm. And then you've done all the hard work. You've got these great You've sponsors. done all the dating. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> you've got them lubed and kissed some frogs. <laughs> <laughs> you got them warmed up. Uh, and then laid you don't, the groundwork. You don't deliver. Yeah. And they're less likely to work with you in the future because they either think you're unprofessional or they didn't feel like they got the benefits that they were promised. I think mm. that is the total definition of being unprofessional. It is a commercial relationship and you have to treat it as such. So you have to have that matrix. And examples of what you would have in a sponsor matrix would be we're going to give you three posts per week on Instagram. We're going to put your logo on the screen at the event. We're going to put your name, oh, help me out girls. On the it, program. In the program, yeah. So once that goes to print and you realise you've forgotten, that's when it's really <laughs> panic station. You're up shit creek. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you an opportunity to put a product into the gift bags or yeah. on the table. or whatever. Thank you on the night verbally from the MC. Yep. Logo sure. on the event website. Yeah, and in the EDM, the follow, follow-up follow EDM or other things you can offer, uh, photography, so professional, professional photography, mm-hmm. pro- professional videography. They're really good assets because mm-hmm. that's something that They'll use small businesses forward. possibly yeah can't always afford, mm-hmm. especially if they're emerging. So that matrix is super important, especially when you're juggling multiple different sponsors with mm-hmm. multiple levels of benefits. Yeah. <laughs> it can be easy to get confused and just lose track of who gets what when. Yeah, so you have to have very clear assets and have them marked out. And you actually have to have a calendar of when you're going to do what and physically tick it off. That's something I think a lot of organisations and businesses should be doing sort of at the start of their planning year, which is, you know, let's revamp our sponsorship agreement and what we can offer and let's see what worked well, what didn't work well, and let's get the tears going. Yeah, and that comes from asking the people that have sponsored you in the past, Mm -hmm. just doing a little survey or it could be a chat over a coffee. What do you get Continue the dating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second date. And that leads on to the last thing that I think you should consider before sealing the deal is um, making sure you're getting creative. If they're donating product, how can you showcase that product at your event? Um, an example I know of was I went to an event and there was a sponsored grazing table and it was beautiful. The, the, the layout was fully styled. It had florals all the way through it. It, had, it was coloured. Right. Oh, I'm not even describing. I'm not Mel, doing it justice. Mel and I like leaning forward in our seat to My hear more about watering. the grazing table. Yeah, go on. Just, like they had all those little <laughs> details. Like it had lots of different cheeses, and they had the gluten free biscuits, and they had everything labelled throughout like as that. well. They put in tiny little details. Yeah, so they put a lot of effort mm-hmm. into it. The MC had said the grazing table is sponsored by blah blah blah. What they didn't do, and what they failed to um, achieve in terms of being a good relationship and delivering their product in the best possible light was they was they gave them a picnic table to set it up on and a picnic table um you know the ones that come with the fixed chairs long seats the bench seats that are fixed on either side so it looked gorgeous but you couldn't get to it because you had to lean over this enormous bench to get to the grazing so I can guess what you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I pulled up a chair. I put my handbag down. And I sat down like it was just my table. I was just going to say, if Mel and I were there, we're like, perfect. Yeah. You don't have to drag a chair across like we normally do. Yeah. no. But, but I can see how that's sort of a hindrance for people like to get to the grazing it table. It was so tricky. It, um, 
like it's probably quite hard to envisage, but it, when you were there, you had to really lean over to, you know, when you're trying to get cheese on a biscuit mm, and you're leaning I do. from a distance. <laughs> Intimately. Yeah. So you're doing some Pilates balance move while you're trying to get you your don't cheese on like your cracker. Get, if you're wearing like bell sleeves like Mel's been wearing lately at work, like you don't want to get oh, your yeah. sleeves caught on your cheese. Oh, yeah, disaster. that was happening. And it was a cocktail dress as well. So. Oh, no. Yeah, so that was one of the ways that um, – they had a really great sponsor, but they f- felt like they really let them down because the only thing that I remember from that gorgeous grazing table was I couldn't you get, couldn't to get it. the food. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I, that would stick in my mind too. Yeah. Um, at the second Black Diamond Ball, we had Mo and Chandon donate a lot of French champagne for the event, and we ended up having a circular bar with an aerialist hanging from the roof, pouring it upside down to each glass. Yeah, that was such a spectacle. It made it make it a focal point of the entire event. That was back in the day when you we, could hang we people, could hang yeah. people yeah. on the roof. Yeah, <laughs> reminiscing about the old days. Yeah. And was the sponsor super chuffed? Yeah. I and we, it we cool even word. did a um, PR call. So we went out to Fremantle Circus School and we actually did it before the event with the aerialist hanging upside down, pouring a glass of champagne for one of our ambassadors. One of Paul the lifeline ambassadors, yeah. yeah, who was a former Dockers player. And that's the thing, like having sponsors is amazing, can help the bottom line of your event. And, you know, there's a lot of things you have to, from the admin side of things to manage it, but it gives you an opportunity as an event planner to do something really cool like that. Showcase their product. Yeah. Give them a shout out in a different way. And we got, I think it was a full page story in the West. There you go. Mm -hmm. Great PR. Yeah. And again, that's, that's advertising you can't buy. It's the goodwill that goes along with that. There you go. And then after the dating has happened, then what? Three dates? (laughs) Is that the rule? Oh, I'm a lady. Maybe five. Time to seal the deal. So after the first date, <laughs> bam. I don't remember this dating world. I'm loving all these flashbacks <laughs> of how many times. And <laughs> so, you know, you, f- you flirted with them. You go on a couple of dates with them. And then it's time to seal the deal. With a kiss. <laughs> you decide, you both decide it's time to make it official. You work out on a mutually beneficial agreement and get them to seal the deal by signing on the dotted line. Stealing the deal, contract-wise, there's also a few things I think to really think about. you could, should keep in mind. And small businesses, as we mentioned before, it's not just a hug and a handshake. Even though we are likening it to dating process and it does certainly rely on a level of chemistry between the two people, <laughs> you really need those things in place. You do. Or later on because you need to manage both of your expectations. You might have said, you know, if you're not being super specific about the things that each party is going to get out of it, that can often lead to disaster later on. Oh my God, is this a prenup? <laughs> it's a prenup. <laughs> Do you know what? Pretty much yeah, it is. Because you're the, right. la- the landscape is. has changed so much. So like what Mel said, it did used to be a hug and a handshake and that was totally yeah. fine like 10 to 15 years ago. Now, you know, a sponsor has to be a bit smarter with their money. They can't just give you 10 grand on a hug and handshake. Mm-hmm. They need to explain to their board why they gave you 10 grand, what yeah. they're getting for their 10 grand. What yeah. their ROI so, yeah. was. Yeah. We want prenup. Want prenup. I knew yeah. you want prenup. I knew you knew the song. I was like, maybe Mel will too. I do. Okay. God. <laughs> cool. So making sure that your contract has a get out clause is really important. And usually this is written around um, one of your brands coming into disrepute, um, something really bad happening in the media and you don't you no longer want to be aligned to that brand anymore. You can bail out. And also if either one of you can't fulfil the obligations of the contract and usually if it's event related, it will come down to if the event is cancelled, obviously. That will, you know, void both sides of the contract. You'll return whatever money or products they've given you. But, you know, events do get cancelled. You have to plan for that eventuality, even though nobody wants that to be the end result. Mm. Um, Asking for the first right of refusal when the contract's up for renewal is also a great one. 
So particularly from a charity side, when a corporate is sponsoring you, they would expect if your two-year agreement's coming to an end, they would absolutely expect you to check with them first before going to the competitor bank for that same opportunity to see if they would want to roll over the contract. Sure. Especially if you're about to go out to tender. Yeah. Because of, for whatever reason, yeah. you need to broaden your horizon. I think, I think it's good to write in there and you kind of owe that to them for the, the two-year partnership you've already yeah. had. Absolutely. And when it's small businesses supporting larger organisations, that is their bread and butter. Like mm-hmm. Having that relationship with a bigger organisation, it can be really, really heartbreaking for a small business to not have that opportunity. And giving them the first right of refusal, if they do say no, you can ask them why. Mm-hmm. Sort of opens up that line of communication. Yeah, and that's probably going to yeah. offer some improvements for exactly. them if there's a reason. Absolutely. This is one of my favourite tips for drawing up the contract. Try and lock them in for as long as you can. <laughs> so generally people kind of do year on year depending on the business type. But if they are willing and receptive to a longer contract and, you know, maybe you can offer them a bit of a cheaper deal. Mel likes a bargain. So like buy two years, get the third one free, something like that. Oh, no, I'm not offering third year free. Oh, no. <laughs> but like we do that too for um, the event I work on. It's, you know, X amount for one year. But if you sign on for three years, it's slightly cheaper it's slightly cheaper it's like 10 percent cheaper per year and you can still pay yearly just you're locked in it's a great idea not only for longevity of the relationship (laughs) but it lets you plan ahead as well and i think it gives when you have stability it really gives both parties the confidence to plan ahead to get creative to think about a whole year and a half ahead of how we're going to improve this partnership next year yeah whereas if you haven't quite locked them in yet maybe there's a bit of unknown It, it can fall by the wayside yeah, absolutely. So by locking a sponsor in, you can maybe involve them in some earlier planning mm. processes for the event. Like, yeah, you know, you've sponsored us for 10 years, you signed on for another three. Would you guys like to be more involved from the start rather than the normal point you join in? Yeah, which is a great idea because you get fresh ideas yeah. With, um, yeah, from outside your team. We've I've definitely experienced this recently, actually. One of our sponsors for the charity ball I run is a long-time donor to the major auction and they started really wanting to get involved in the choice of the auctioneer, which is fair enough because that absolutely is who's showcasing their event, their product on the night. Mm. So because they were a long-running sponsor and they were locked in again for that year, I knew that a year out I could check in with them and say, right, who would you like us to approach as auctioneer? What are your options? These are who I'm thinking of. What's your thoughts on these? Yeah, you get that experience because they've obviously been to a lot of um, events that you haven't, so they may have seen somebody that you haven't and you get that extra... Definitely. Kickback. More brains the better, usually. (laughs) Usually. (laughs) I think as as long as you've got solid get-out clauses, I think... The longer term ones are good. I probably wouldn't lock someone in for like more than five. No, so much, so much can happen. And and as an organisation, you don't want to get bullied either by your sponsors. You've got to make sure you stay savvy. And it's all about kind of nurturing the relationship from the start. If you know that they're kind of in it for the long haul, but can't sign for whatever reason, that's fine. But just make sure in the back of your mind, you're always checking in with them and seeing how they're going. Mm-hmm. And I found that the best sponsor relationship I have is not because I've been selling stuff to them. It's just because I've been chatting to them as people. Yeah. And they get hit up all the time, like especially in the Mel and I's charity sphere. The people we talk to get bombarded all the time with requests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're going to go with the people that they like. Yeah, I never even Absolutely. The ones that bought bought them the most champagne. (laughs) Dated the hardest. Yeah, the ones that (laughs) flirted the hardest and dated the hardest. Took them on the coolest date. Yeah. So now that you've sealed the deal and you're going strong, going (laughs) steady. Yeah, you got... Facebook official yeah. going uh, steady. Our fourth, our fourth <laughs> step is keeping the romance alive. Got to keep the spark. So once you've signed, I don't think you should forget your sponsors. I think it's really important to keep checking in with them. You know, see how they feel the partnership's going. Any exciting de- ideas they've had 
since you've drawn up the contract that maybe could work in both of your benefits. And sharing any successes at the end, meeting to debrief after the event or project that they've sponsored, getting their honest feedback so that you can improve it as much as you can the the next year. We had a really great debrief with a sponsor who was the same one that signed on for three years and that's the meeting that they told us they would like to sign on for three years. And what they said was something we'd never thought about, which is because they're such a big sponsor in terms of financial backing, they said, would it be okay if you guys prepared a special report for us? specifically about what we've raised and what we've contributed and they wanted to send that to the, all their stakeholders which I think is nice. easy mm. for us to do because we've got the numbers and everything and we just yeah we have a lot of sponsors so we've just never prepared one for every single person but that's really valuable yeah for them. absolutely that leads me on to yeah sponsor reports or thank you gifts I think lining out and this is where you can refer to your matrix and your contract again is actually detailing everything you said you were going to provide and then including Numbers like, you know, reach on social media, screenshots of press clipping. the screens on the night, press clippings of the PR, you got them, you know, all of that, giving them a tangible thing to hold and read and show their boss or their stakeholders or whoever's giving them the money to sponsor can be really valuable, particularly in locking them in again for the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. Showcasing that value is so yeah. important. Yeah, and I think timeliness with that is very important as well. So as soon as you can after the event mm-hmm. is the time to get is it. Is there to them. a um? Do you reckon there's like a specific sweet spot, like a week after? Or Within something? two weeks. Yeah, I yeah. would say because two weeks. sometimes the coverage will go longer. So if you're in social pages, for instance, and yeah. it's snapped on a Friday night, you're not going to be in until the fo- like the next Tuesday yep. after. So yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, and you want to get them while it's fresh in everyone's mind as well. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Wrapping up everything we've just talked about, what do you think are our top tips? Number one, always keep your ear to the ground for new opportunities and focus on organisations with mutual target audiences. Two, if you don't ask, you don't get. So the worst they can do is say no. Number three, always make sure you've considered what's in it for them when approaching a sponsor to make sure it's you know mutually beneficial for everybody. Tip four, double check their values and mission align with your brand. And tip five, make sure everything is clearly documented. Six, don't overpromise and underdeliver, and always aim to have longevity in your relationships. No one night stands. <laughs> Some one yeah, night we stands. want a long and happy marriage. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, what are we going to give as a takeaway this week? Get excited because we're going to give you a sponsorship matrix template to use. Yeah, so this will have um, the assets that you can potentially sell to your sponsors and collaborators. Right, It's such a useful structure to work with. Mm-hmm. And we do like a spreadsheet structure in general. Oh, yeah. So you can do it like the pros. <laughs> it's a cheat sheet, really. There you go. Make sure you're subscribing, following. And leave all us a review. Things. And yeah, if you love it, leave us a review or a love letter. Oh. In our theme. Yes. Of today. <laughs> Do you want me to wrap us out or no? Oh, go. Oh, no. I don't expect you to say. Collaborate and listen. (laughs) Ice is back with a new invention. Something's got a hold of me tightly. (laughs) Will it ever stop? No. No, I don't know. I think we should stop Okay, we're out. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. (laughs) 